Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So in our last episode, we talked about potentially two game sessions where your players are introduced, they get some information, and they have to report back. So let's continue from there. Sure. So um, no matter what happens, uh, your players either successfully rescue or they don't um, that person. You can always have that information on them. Um, so let's say that we're going to make either, no matter who was captured, the person who was captured is either a double agent, i.e. either feeding you false information because that's what they're given to feed you. Um, and they can find that out either because there's, um, a, you know, if they get killed, once you kill everybody that killed them, there's a note on their body that has some sort of message that says, here's your payment, here's what you're going to tell so-and-so, and it's really obvious this person's a double agent. Or because you save their lives, they feel like they're indebted to you because they the people that captured them were the actual espionage side mm-hmm. of the Dwarven side. Or if you're playing the other way, the same. I mean, it doesn't matter what faction you play, right? So the, um, But whoever was kidnapping them was kidnapping them to take them out because they're no longer valued as a spy. And so you rescued them. They told you, they tell you the truth, like they've been feeding you false information. So you come back to uh, Thorontir, if you're playing the elves, and you explain to them, hey, this person got captured. They're actually a double agent. They've been feeding us false information. And then um, the other party, either Holland or the, uh, the unnamed elven woman, they would have given you a straight answer. At least you think it is. And that can be something that would lead to your next game session, right? Which would be this one. So let's just create that. Um, and to be fair, if you guys haven't realized, I'm actually creating a lot of this literally on the fly because I want to show you that you don't have to spend a ton of time creating this stuff. If you have an idea of kind of where you're heading, you kind of know what you need to do. So we need to get them um, a lot more information prepared so that within, um, well, let's just have this, let's just talk about this for one second. A subplot should last a certain number of gaming sessions. Mm -hmm. So I like to do a thing where every three gaming sessions or every three major events. So like if I had a gaming session and it accidentally went into two, I'm not going to count it. But so major three major events, three major kind of gaming sessions, which could be three gaming sessions, could be six gaming sessions. I will level you up. And I'm going to have about three levels for every subplot. So... We're still on level four. We need, at the end of this whole kind of session, I might level, uh, think about leveling you guys up. So what would the next two to three game sessions look like before you can level up to level five? Well, you're going to take the information back to Thorond here. You're going to find out that either one of these two people is a double agent feeding you bad information. Perfect. And then you're going to find out that the other person is letting you know that the enemy and the enemy is planning a raid on a small village that's about 10 miles to your southwest. And so Thorond here tells you that you need to go to that small village and you need to prepare them for battle. None of these people are army trained or any of that. And none of the people that in the army can't get there fast enough. They're, the bigger armies are further away. The Even the smaller little areas are still far away. He wants you four or five, I don't know how many in your gaming party, to go and set up some sort of defenses and some sort of traps. And so this is the fun, um, this is the fun moment where we do a you need to hold the town until X happens. 
and he tells you that he's already sent word, but they're taking, they need some more time. Like you need to be able to hold this thing off for about a day. Um, so you guys are sent to go march out and you get to the town. And then I would describe the town and kind of the fact that there's not really a lot of good, anything there for defensive purposes. You find out that there's a lot of wood around that could be used to create like a palisade, like a wooden wall. And this helps your players be able to improvise with the random odds and ends that every town has. Of, right. Oh, you have extra rope and you have some sticks. Well, you can sink those in for defense. Exactly. Oh, hey, you have some extra hose. Well, you can use hose to fight. There's, I mean, Sun Tzu did that with the Art of War of how to take exactly. your soldiers that don't have stuff. I mean, a lot of the a lot of our war things are used to be farming implements. Exactly. For that reason. Exactly. So you have that. We could talk about a natural cave system that they could go hide into, but no one's fully explored the cave. So it may not be the safest location to say to to uh, hide in, and then the other thing you can bring up is that there is a um, uh, there's a spot in the woods that are used by these uh, by a local set of druids who probably aren't there right now, but could be used to hide. You know, go deep into the forest, hide in this clearing. Um, they may or may not track you in there, but you'd be in like a druid circle, and maybe you you know. Maybe something could happen there. You don't know. So that gives your players the ability to say, well, do we stop and fortify the town? Do we try our chances in the woods? I mean, we are elves. Or do we try to have chances on the cave? And who knows what else is in the cave? Yeah. Now, of course, as an evil GM, there's something in the cave. There's something in the forest, too. <laughs> there's always something in the forest, right? <laughs> and the something in the town, of course, is this other invading... Um, it's not like a full army, right? It's not like they've sent a thousand people to go kill a village, but you do have maybe 40 guys coming to basically sack this village and there's only four of you. So the chances of you killing all 40 like second level fighters is probably really low, but you might be able to fortify the the, the town en enough to be able to break up their ranks, be able to, you know, help a little bit, find out who maybe your bow, your, you know, like who can shoot a bow in the town you know, you start doing random rolls on that. And then you have a hold until X scenario happens. And um, those I've covered in other places, but how that works in a quick nutshell is you determine how many rounds they have to hold for. Um, and you basically just start counting down. And if they can hold that many rounds, then everything's good. Now, this is not a place where I would try to do like a total party kill or even kill anybody. But, you know, stuff would happen or could happen here, and then, and it could be bad. That said, if it does get bad, I wouldn't kill the players outright. I would have them be captured, which then leads to another fun thing later on where they have to actually break out. They have to free themselves from captivity, which would be another fun piece where you could actually introduce a couple of non-player characters for the other factions that could come up at the very last in the third, the third subplot where it's like, oh, you remember this guy. He was your captor who treated you decently. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Um, and again, I would stay away from any kind of torturous things at all. But so let's say, let's just keep going, right? Because a lot of this would be you have to you have to be able to like I plan enough to basically do one game session with some ideas for the next game session. So Let's say they held until X and they didn't get captured. If they did get captured, then we'll we'll play the captured thing. We'll figure out how that game looks. But let's say they don't get captured um, and 
they decide to go, let's say they decide to fortify the town. They decide to fortify the town, then they make it, but a certain number of townspeople are killed. Maybe you guys are injured and, um, you know, you're given a commendation, but you're also given a chastisement. If you guys go to the cave, you're able to fortify the front of the cave and it's really easy to keep the thing like the army from coming at you because you know, they got to come down to two or three guys and you guys can easily fend them off. What you don't know is that there's like a giant spider behind you. So now your party's split between having to fend off the giant spider and also fend off the front of the cave. Mm-hmm. If they go into the woods, then um, the you could argue that the fighters just totally lose you, can't find you at all because they're dwarves, they're navigating the woods, it doesn't really happen. But the problem is there's um, other things like you could do bears or wolves or other things that are hunting the villagers in the in there. And you're still in a hold until X situation. Yes. The whole time. So after that, after that whole little round is gone, it gives them an idea to do some combat and some other things that really helps. And they got freedom of choice to figure out where they wanted to um basically make their graves. I mean, you know, not really, but I mean, where do they want to make their stand? And that was the choice they had there. So then they would go back um, with the military company back to Tarantir. And he would then give you another thing where he says, you need to go over the mountains and you need to infiltrate this um, human city. This human, it's not really a city. It's like a village. And in this human village, there are dwarves that come in for trade and you need to kidnap one of those dwarves and bring him back. How you do that is up to you. So sometimes a railroad doesn't, sometimes they, not, not having a choice in what you do isn't necessarily a railroad. Not having any choices in what you do is a railroad. So by me saying, hey, your next mission is to go do X, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it. That's not a railroad. So at the end of the first session, um, that was a couple line, things long. At the end of this, the, the one where they held for a while. And then this last one where they have to go in and kidnap a, a dwarven military official and bring it back to Therontier somehow. At the end of that, I would level them to level five. And then we would do three more adventures for level five, three more for level six. At the end of level six, we're going to pivot into the next subplot. So what I'm going to need to do over the next couple of gaming session is after they kidnap that um, leader of the Dwarven faction, you find out about certain things where he starts revealing the plans of their um, under duress, right? So, you, you know, you don't see anything, but the Rontier comes back and says, oh, we've just found out from the dwarf that you captured um, about their chief advisor and gives you the name and the chief advisor is working on doing X. And at that point, Tarantir says something like, you know, that's really odd because that seems to be the almost exact same plan that our advisor is giving us. And so you can le- you could leave a little clue like this is the exact same plan we're getting, we're doing. Isn't that bizarre? And if you start doing that enough, your players would be like, wait a minute, this becomes, this is odd. How come they're both planning the same thing? That doesn't make any sense. Once is a coincidence. Twice is very weird. Three times is purposeful. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure that before, before uh, sometime like in the early part of subplot two, they hear for the third time that the two chief advisors seemingly have the same plan. And that will create a, uh, a, a thing with your players to realize that there's a problem here. 
And that's what you want to use to drive your big reveals is enough little things where they realize there's a problem. And then when it is revealed that they're both working for the same person, they both go, that's why. Okay, now it makes sense. Everything clicks. Everything falls into place. Right. Where if I don't do any of that foreshadowing and I go, oh, by the way, both your chief advisors were working for the same person. You're like, I don't care. And I guess that's cool. You either get the water or they're like, okay. What do I care? Yeah. As opposed to wait, that explains everything. And Mm -hmm. that's what you want is that, aha, that explains everything. Or I knew it, which is fine. I don't care if your players figure it out. In fact, I want them to figure it out. Because the more and more they start figuring out what you're doing, the more and more they're going to play toward that. Yes. So anyway, there's some ideas of how I would run the first several levels and how I can run like that one level and all the games there, but also what I would do for the first several levels to start building in the intrigue and the big reveal stuff that I need. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to skullrpg.com.